is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, October 5th, 2020, Season 16, Episode number 37. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We've got uh, 45 minutes here to talk to you guys and try to make sense of what happened yesterday. Cowboys lose 49-38 in a game that was very similar to many games that we've seen them play this season. They fall in a deep hole. They manage to come back. They make it very interesting. And at the end of the day, they end up with a loss. We're going to start first with what we do every Monday, where we're just going to go around the table and talk about what we think is the biggest storyline coming out of this game. Nick, I see that somber look on your face, so I'm going to start with you and let you kind of have a little moment to kind of let it all out. I'm honestly trying to figure out something to say that that, the other two wouldn't say. The defense was terrible, is terrible, has been terrible, was terribler. In that game, and it's that's the problem. Can't stop the run. I got a lot of friends that are that are coaches, college, high school, probably Pee Wee. I don't know. Yeah, and they're all gonna tell you if you can't stop the run, you're gonna lose. So, Amber, you uh, you didn't have as much uh, much trepidation going into this game as many others did. How do you feel today? <laughs> you know what. I, I, a lot of people, for some reason, are expecting me just to go completely off and be mad and all that. But to be honest, after watching the game again, I, I am not mad at all. Like, watching the game, it was just, I felt complete secondhand embarrassment. It was sad. I felt so bad just watching the way that the defense was playing. It was embarrassing. They just looked like a lost herd that just was in pure confusion, not knowing what to do. The the he looked like high school players playing against NFL players. It was like the the level was completely unmatched. There is absolutely zero positive that the defense did nothing positive. Aside from Alden and Smith, put him aside, nobody else did absolutely anything. And I just don't get how week by week you just keep getting worse rather than improving Dave I was gonna be so disappointed if Amber didn't actually (laughs) ramp it up there like I was like are you kidding me after this game of all games you're not mad okay um I just I I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce off of what I said Friday which is that um they're probably not a very good team if they can't win this game and it, it changes my expectations of what they are I came into the season thinking this offense is going to cook. This offense is going to score mid-30s and flirt with the 40s on a regular basis, and it's going to give them a chance. And all they need is for their defense to be mediocre, and they'll be a pretty good team. If, if the Dallas Cowboys had the 18th best defense in the league or the 20th best defense in the league, they'd have a winning record right now. But they're the absolute worst. Like, they are uh, – and maybe – I don't know. I'm sure the stati- – I haven't looked at the statistics. I don't know if they're updated yet. Even if they're not 32nd, they, they should be. They're awful. Uh, that, was, that was so bad. And, and it's going to hinder 
their ability to be competitive. Like, you know, this, like I said, if, if the defense was even below average, you're talking about a team that can flirt with double digit wins, but they're awful. And so now you're talking about a team that's probably going to win between six and nine games, depending on a few bounces of the ball. So I got three storylines I'm going to run by you guys. <clears throat> and we have a couple questions on each one of them. Uh, the first one is obviously the run defense. And you guys all started there with the defense. But the run defense, particularly yesterday, was really, really awful. I mean, they gave up 307 yards on the ground on 40 rushes. That's the 7.7 average. I don't know that I've seen too many NFL games where you're giving up 7.7 yards per carry. And that's with what was the league's re- leading rusher in, in Nick Chubb going out in the first quarter and not returning to the game after being injured. That all being said, what was the problem? Nick, let's start with you. Um, what was the problem with the run defense yesterday? Well, they, the, the Browns had, you know, it didn't matter if Nick Chubb was the running, running back at all. That just kind of tells you what kind of system they're running and also that the Cowboys weren't going to be able to stop it, really, anybody. Um, you know, they just plugged in whoever. But I, I thought Cleveland did a really nice job of misdirection, getting people to go one way, kind of sucking the defense there, and then, and then cutting back. Um, the Cowboys aren't getting off blocks, and you know they're and I didn't I don't know if was there a lot of missed tackles I can't there were some there was I'm sure there were some but it didn't seem like a ton of missed tackles it just was like they're they're just gashing them so I, I I'd have to go back and kind of watch more of it but man it was it was just demoralizing and you know Dave said it. And and I kind of agreed with him when he said I don't I'd play the safeties back because I don't see a team just running him to death. And I when he said it, I I actually agreed with that. You know, but they did. They actually did. They actually ran over them. I didn't think that could happen, and and that happened. Amber, what do you think is the biggest problem with the run defense? They just look completely lost. Everyone just looks lost, honestly, and. and Essentially, there are, what, three levels to the defense. Let's say the defensive line, then you got your linebackers, and then the secondary back there. Neither level is doing a good enough job to do... Like, neither level is doing anything, honestly. So, to go back and to think that that you got a whole new coaching staff, you got to see tape from at least last year, you knew going into this new job that you were having issues already with the run defense and you still haven't managed to figure out a way to solve it i just i don't know what to tell you there needs to be a big change happening this week yeah dave i think it it is i it is ironic i i thought they could get away with letting the browns run between the 20s i mean there were plenty of explosive plays too i mean the the Mm -hmm. Anytime you can give up an uncontested 40-yard touchdown pass from a wide receiver, I mean, it just it just signals the type of day that you're going to have. <laughs> um, I, d- I don't think that they have a player who's above replacement level in the middle of their defense. Like, not, not a one. Uh, you know, we can hate on him for his contract all we want. Demarcus Lawrence is still a pretty good player, even if he's not getting sacks. Uh, Alden Smith has been a revelation. That's cool. What about the middle of the defense? Like, the defensive tackles can't get off blocks. They get pushed around. The linebackers certainly can't get off blocks. The best linebacker on the team is Joe Thomas, who I, you know, all things considered, I thought had a pretty decent day. It seemed like the effort was there. He was tackling. He should have had an interception on a terrible call. 
Um, but, you know, I, I brought it up. Jalen Smith needed to have a great game. He had a terrible day. Uh, and, and then, you know, we know all about the safeties. We know that that's a problem. So in the middle of the field, I don't know that there's a single player on this roster that another NFL team, damn, I wish we had that guy. He's better than what we have. I just don't think that's the case, and it shows when you go against a great offensive line and a good stable of running backs. You know, Dave, I, I kind of agree with you. I definitely agree with you on the linebackers. I think the linebackers played horribly yesterday, and, and even Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas, I thought, had some splash plays, and I even tweeted about it earlier in the game. I think if, during the first quarter he had like this, this, you know, this stat line where he was actually making some plays, but as you watch that game, their linebackers just – and I've said this before. I've said this in earlier weeks – it was on display yesterday. You got linebackers right now that are not diagnosing what's happening quickly enough. And then once they do figure out what's going on, they start trying to run to the play, and they're not fast enough to get there. They can't get off blocks when a, an offensive lineman engages them. And, and in a lot of instances, that means either they get washed out of plays or they end up just being blocked and can't get to the play, and so they're not filling gaps. And so I look at this, and I'm actually thinking that yesterday a lot of the runs were right off tackle, which in this instance, when you're playing a three-man front, you want your outside linebacker to maintain to make sure they don't get outside. They did that pretty well. The problem is when you do that and the defensive end is not closing that gap by, by flowing out, he's getting blocked, and then you don't have linebackers that are able to get over there and fill the gap because they're getting blocked, then you create this lane. And that lane was there all day, all day for the Cleveland Browns. So I'm looking at the defensive ends in a three-man front. I'm looking at the linebackers, and I'm saying that's where I think the Cowboys are having, were having problems yesterday. That doesn't mean, Dave, I disagree with you about the defensive tackles because I think they've had some problems throughout the season. But I think yesterday in particularly, the defensive ends in a three-man front and the linebackers were the main culprits with the running game. Well, anytime you play a 3-4 defense, anytime, you know, a 3-4 defense, uh, yeah, they're supposed to be able to, to get up the field and get and get pressure. And what you sacrifice is that, yeah, you, you have smaller guys uh, and you could, you could uh, you know, not get off your blocks and get pushed around. But you offset that because you've got speedy, quick pass rushers that will get to the quarterback. Well, that's not happening. So they're just getting gashed. Yeah. So let me ask you this question, and I'll, I'll throw this out there, Dave. I want you to ask, answer this for me. How much blame? I think we all agree this defense is bad. How much blame do you give Mike Nolan? I, I saw a stat this morning. If you go back to the last time he was a defensive coordinator, 2012 through 2014, he was the coordinator, defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. His defense was 24th, 27th, and 32nd in those three years. Dave, how much blame do you give Mike Nolan? I think I said this last week about the players and it can apply to coaches too is like I love it when they make it easy for me because uh, they've given up the sixth highest point total through four games in the history of the entire league. Uh, so a lot of blame because I mean, and I get it like I know that they have a lot of injuries. I know Leighton Van Der Esch isn't out there. I know that you lost Gerald McCoy. You still had a whole training camp to evaluate what you had and adjust what you wanted to do based on that. Not to mention the offseason that you had where you know you, you got to sit down and watch the tape of what these guys could do in the last scheme and figure out what suits them the best. And it doesn't look like that plan is awesome right now. Um, again, sixth highest point total in the history of professional football. Uh, so, yeah, plenty. Beca I mean, and, and a big part of being a coach is adapting on the fly. It either doesn't look like they're doing that or it looks like the adapting that they're trying to do is even worse than the original plan. 
All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next area where I thought that uh, it was a big storyline for this team. And it's a, it's a storyline that's continued throughout the year is the fact that they are giving the ball away and they're not getting turnover. So their turnover margin just is, is out of control. You look at it yesterday, they, had, uh, they gave away three turnovers. They didn't get a single turnover. Zeke gets his fun- second fumble loss of the season. It's the third time he's fumbled. He recovered one of them. Uh, but that all being said, um, is this something that the coaches can actually fix? Or do you think this is a situation where players just have to be more aware and have to just take more time to protect the ball? And let's start with you, Amber. Well, I think it's definitely a combination of both. Uh, certain p- players, there are certain things that you you couldn't you should not be able to do. Like there are certain mistakes that you shouldn't be doing at this level, especially when you're speaking about veteran guys. That's one thing. But I get it. Errors happen. Things happen in the game whatever okay but when you as a coach you are putting a guy like Terrence Steele out there on the offensive line and you know that there's a guy called Miles Garrett in there playing as well you you gotta be aware of the kind of situations that you're putting your offense in and what those things can create I mean one of those were created by you making the decision to have still in there rather than put Knight. And that's a guy we, we I think, all agree that has played a little bit better than Steele. So those kinds of decisions that you should already know prior to going in the game to, to kind of just prevent certain situations from happening. But, but at the end of the day, I mean... It also goes to the players, so it's just a combination of both. Putting your players in the best situation as possible, but at the same time, you as a player trying to play better football. And the biggest thing in football is securing the ball and being able to just not let it lose. Yeah, you mentioned Steele there. One of the unique things to note about that is earlier in the game, he'd already given up one sack. Uh, and, and there was another play where he allowed a quarterback pressure because he basically just got thrown to the ground. So this was not – I mean, they already had seen this was looking bad, and they decided that they were going to stick with it, and it ended up costing them. Nick, what do you think? Do you think the coaches at this point can make a change with regards to this or this is, is or, or turnovers in this instance well, more a function of the, of the players? I think, I think a fumble is, is, is a function of the player. You know, I mean, I think it, it happens. I mean, but, but I, I mean, they, they – they stress that they stress protecting the football and all those things. But you know, I, I just think when it comes down to, I, I think she's right. I think that that you know, don't get surprised that that Terrence Steele's giving up sacks, and especially when you're not giving him help. The thing about Steele is that he's an athletic tackle, if if that's the case. You know, he's, he's quick feet, whatever, agile. But Miles Garrett's is is more athletic than you. And he's got experience, and he's got power, and and so that's a, that's not a good matchup there at, at all. And so don't be surprised. I mean, I, I don't really blame that on Dak. I mean, Dak's trying to throw right. the football, and the guy knocks it out. Uh, I do blame it on on the fact that he's not getting much help, and expecting that Terrence Steele's all of a sudden going to going to be able to stop Miles Garrett. But but on the Zeke fumble, I think it's on Zeke. All right, let's move on. Let's uh, take this next uh, area that was a story of the game. Can I throw? Uh, I know. I know we only have 45 minutes, but I, I mean, three, that's three sacks in three games where Dak has coughed the ball up getting sacked. Um, and I, I know that that's – it's hard. I understand that. And especially, like, it, it sounds like you're not going to have Lyle Collins this year, so it's probably going to be a theme. But there's got to be a way you can protect that a little bit better. And the same goes for Zeke. Uh, you know, I remember we talked about this with DeMarco Murray, the way that he carried the ball. 
seemed like he opened himself up to fumbles. I don't think Zeke's technique is as bad as DeMarco's was, but when you've had this many fumbles through this few games, it's probably something you should revisit for both of them because not every quarterback in the league gets strip sacked every week. Well, Dave, there's got to be a way you can clean that up. I, I will say this with regard to Dak. I, I don't think every sack of a quarterback or, or, or fumble created by a quarterback um, is necessarily equal because it's one thing if he's standing in the pocket and, and the guy comes and swipes the ball and knocks it out of his hands. That's one thing, and that's on the quarterback. It's a whole different thing if the quarterback is actually in the motion of throwing and the defender gets to him and knocks the ball away. To me, I put that on the offensive lineman. And by the way, that, I've heard this narrative that people are trying to throw out there. He was holding on the ball too long. That's BS. That ball, if you watch that play, he, he took – I mean, he didn't have to take a, st- a drop back because he was already in shotgun. But literally, within a matter of two seconds, he was, he was about to throw the ball. So this was not a situation where he held the ball too long. This was not a situation where he wasn't protecting the ball. He was in the motion of throwing. His offensive lineman has to do a better job of protecting him from allowing that defender to get to him to be able to knock the ball away as he's throwing. Very fair point, which raises the question of why everyone in the world knew that Brandon Knight should be playing right tackle. Exactly. Except the coaching staff. And it's right back to that, because that's what we've been talking about here for the last couple weeks, is that was a better scenario, especially a game like this where you're coming in against a guy like Miles Garrett, and it seemed like for whatever reason this coaching staff has been sold since the season began. They have been sold on the fact that Terrence Steele is their guy. And yesterday, I think they had to re- recant on that a little bit because they, they had obviously took him out of the game and, and moved him at night in there. Yeah. All right, real quick, let's get to this final area that I thought was a storyline of the game. Once again, the Cowboys end, in a, end up in a situation where they create this huge hole for themselves. Uh, they were down 41-14 to 14 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I think we all thought, this game's over, there's no way. And Nick, as the look I gave you at the point when they, when they pulled close and we're within three... Um, I, I think we all agree this offense had that, that shows you the power of this offense. The question I have for you guys, though, is do you think in any way what we're seeing from this offense is a function of the fact that they're really great when defenses kind of loosen up? And maybe they're, maybe they're good. They're not as great as maybe their numbers are because they're getting a lot of that in situations where defenses are loosening up and just not trying not to give up the big play, even though they're seeming to give up the big mm-hmm. play in those situations. Yes. Nick, what do you think? 100%. They're not, uh, this offense isn't as explosive, dynamic as, it, as, it, as the yards are showing, especially in the first half. They're not, they're not coming out and, and being, you know, getting a lead. I mean, yeah, you can put it on the defense, but it's also the offense isn't scoring the points um, in the first half like, like they are in the second. And I think it, it is the case. You know, prevent defense. Defenses work. I mean, I know I've heard it for years people say, well, prevent defenses only prevent you from winning. That's stupid. That's a stupid phrase to try to be catchy and all that. Prevent defenses get, make you score, and, and it takes time off the clock to do that. And so, yeah, they, they go and they, they score points, and they're coming back in the game. But uh, it's it hasn't been enough except for Atlanta, and it needed a miracle kick. The one thing I will say about that is I think yesterday for the first time we did actually see the offense get somewhat of a fast start. The problem yeah. was the defense couldn't get a stop. And on top of that, the offense started turning the ball over, and yeah. then it killed all their momentum That's true. to I get mean, points. They, they got going, but they had turnovers there. Dave, what do you think? I think y'all are insane. 
Uh, with all due respect, I say that respectfully, but I mean, what I got the stats right here. Dak was 13 to 16 for 200 yards and two touchdowns at halftime. He was absolutely annihilating them. The baffling thing to me, I have never seen a game, and I like you got to hang on to the ball. I get that. I've never seen a game where a pair of fumbles completely swung things. Like the Cowboys looked like they were in position to dictate this game. They had a 14-7 lead. They're moving the ball at will. And they cough up the ball twice, and it's 31-14 before you can even blink, and now the whole thing's flipped. And, again, you have to hold on to the ball, but if the defense holds, like, if they could even just do something like hold one of those drives to a field goal, it's a different game coming out of half. Um, I thought the offense was rocking and rolling. Zeke, I mean, the Zeke... Zeke's carry that led to a fumble was for like 21 yards. Yep. I was getting ready to tweet, oh, I guess I guess Zeke finally had his 15-yard run. Uh, I was about to tweet that when I realized he fumbled it. Like, they were kicking ass. They kicked ass in Seattle when they were down by, what, 15 points when Dak led them on drives of like 91 and 89 in a span of like six minutes. I hope Seattle's not dumb enough to play prevent with a 15-point lead. So, no, I, I don't think that at all. I thought the offense was kicking ass until they forgot how to hold on to the football well, and the defense didn't do them any favors. Uh, how do you explain it then? How do you explain the fact that the Falcons, the, Se- the Seahawks, and the Browns are stopping them in the first half and all of a sudden now in the second half they're just getting all these yards? They're just clicking? Because they're minus like six in turnovers in that span. Okay. They fumbled the ball five times in the first quarter against Atlanta. Okay, well then the offense is choking in the first half. And well, but I don't think that's the, fair to say they're the Browns. I don't think that happened in the Browns well, game. But I agree with you on those the, other games. They're turning but not the, the ball Browns over. Game. They're turning the ball over. They're shooting right. themselves in the foot in the first half, and then in the second half, they're playing free. And I don't know. I do. Okay, think, but, but I let's think be very clear. Good, good. They need to hold on to the ball. Their ball security is awful. I ran and I looked at the numbers last night. They have nine turnovers through four games, and obviously we know their defense isn't going to meet that. Like, they have to play cleaner football if they're going to have a chance. But they're not doing this because, or at least strictly because, they're playing prevent defenses. That's That just can't be the case based on what we've seen. they got to play cleaner football. But this is an awesome offense, and it has shown that potential in all four quarters of all four games. What do you think, Amber? I just think it's more of a factor of the Cowboys limiting their mistakes because, I mean, when you look at all the games, you can't tell me that there is a huge drop in the way that the defense is playing in the second half of the game. Like you're, the defense is not just all of a sudden gonna just drop from playing at this level to this level that quickly. And I get it, they get tired or whatever, but I just don't think it's big of enough, big enough of a drop rather than the Cowboys actually just trying to limit their mistakes and making it happen. Because we've seen it, and in the, it, it, they get on a roll, but then the problem is, once again, they just hit themselves on the foot, and then it goes to crap. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back from this break, we're going to get into the moments that mattered. Everybody has a moment from that game that they want to point out as the moment that, uh, that could have been one of the pivotal moments of this game. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass 
Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. It's funny. As we travel places, often we find the places we want to travel aren't really places at all. They're people. They're grandparents, moms, old friends, and new nephews. That's why at American Airlines, we've been using enhanced cleaning measures so you can feel confident every step until you get to them. So, as always, our people can't wait to take you to yours. American Airlines. You are why we fly. Back to the break. The Cowboys are back at AT&T Stadium this Sunday, taking on the rival, the New York Giants. A limited number of tickets are available. Get yours now at DallasCowboys.com slash tickets. Make sure and get there early and cheer on the Cowboys so they can get off to a fast start against Jason Garrett and the New York Giants. Boy, this NFC East. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But anyway... Uh, now we're at the moments that matter. Welcome back to the second segment of The Break Live from SWBC Mortgage Studios. We're going to go around the room, and everybody's going to give us uh, a moment that mattered in this game. Nick, let's start first with you. Okay. I think I'm going in the late of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys have a 14-7 lead. It's the largest lead they've had in the entire season mm-hmm. at that point. And the, it, the Browns have got the ball on first and 20. And because of a holding penalty, first and 20 at their own 38, five-yard pass in the flat, Austin Hooper. And it, he's tackled. Like, he, he's going down. Um, you know, Donovan Wilson has him. And Jalen Smith decides he wants to jump in on, on the pile and face mask. And so that, obviously, first down for Cleveland instead of second and 15, um, which is so important because, you know, I, then, it, then it prevents them from really having to run much, put it on Baker Mayfield's hand, get him uncomfortable. We saw when he's uncomfortable, he doesn't really make great decisions. You get the ball back up seven, you can go score, and now you're playing the way you want to play, and Cleveland can't play the way they obviously played. But that penalty changed everything. Cleveland gets the ball, drives down, ties the game, and then the floodgates were open after that. But I thought that was a huge turning point. You got him backed up at first and 20. And there's no ne- there's no reason to face mask. There's no reason for you to even touch him. He didn't even have to tackle him because the he guy was already going to go down. Done. Yeah. That, that was a huge moment that mattered for me. Yeah. it's I, As I go back and look at this game, one of the people that stands out the most to me um, as – I guess you can call him culprits, is Jalen Smith. I just think he is not playing good football. And 
it it really does make me wonder about his future here with the Cowboys because he just does. It, there's a lot of things he's got to correct in his game, and I'm not sure he can. To be quite honest with you. All right, let's go to you, Amber. What was the the moment of the the moment that mattered for you? Uh, well, we basically already talked about it a little bit. It was the um, the sack that the sack slash fumble that Miles Garrett was able to create because of just attacking Terrence Steele, but. To get to that point, I think that was the, the critical point of the game where everything just kind of started changing because you had the Cowboys offense scoring points. They were tied in the game 14-14 at that moment. But, they, you know, regardless of being tied, that was the first time that, or not the first time, but at least the Cowboys starting off with some kind of tempo and being able to keep up with the, with the opponent. Now, at that point, they get the sack, they recover the ball, Cleveland goes back and scores a touchdown, and then what happens? The Cowboys offense after that was not able to score anything else until the fourth quarter of the game. For some reason, that just completely threw their game away, and they just could not get it moving again, could not figure it out until the fourth quarter. So that was a huge moment for me where I just saw just a whole turning point of the offense. Yeah, the uh, it's interesting to me that I think we all agreed that we thought Knight was the better of between he and Steele. And from the moment they put Knight in the game, he wasn't perfect, but it did seem like a lot of things settled down with regards to the pressure that was coming at Dak Prescott. Is that what you guys saw? Do you think this was a game where once Knight got in, Knight played substantially better there at the right tackle position? Dave, what do you think? That's how I've felt about Brandon Knight every time he's had to go in, going back to last year. Like, I feel like people forget this because last year was so disappointing. But, like, we had to do this song and dance for two or three weeks last season, and Brandon Knight held up just fine. Uh, yeah, definitely not perfect, but but fine. And, and that's what it was. And, again, I mean, it's very crazy to me how everybody was calling for Brandon Knight and everybody wanted to see somebody besides Darian Thompson and those guys were basically playing on the shortest leashes. Like, they made one or two mistakes, and they're gone. Which leads you to believe that the coaching staff agreed with us mm -hmm. about that, but they put them out there anyway, yep. which is mystifying to me. Yeah. Like, if, if their leash was that short, maybe you should just try the guy behind them. I, I don't understand the logic there at all. And there's more to it than that, because Biotis was saying that, that he got some snaps in practice, and that was going to happen with him. I bet you Looney didn't have a short leash either. I mean, he did he have did a short have leash. leash. Yeah. And then, um, but, but, and then the same with Knight and Steele, which means if they're both getting practice reps, then, I mean, make a decision, because they need the practice. Steele is only going to get 50% of the, of the, the reps, and, and you know Knight's getting 50% of the reps, Somebody should get 100% of the reps at this point. I mean, figure it out and, and go with it. If it's Biotis, go with it because he needs all of the reps he can get during the practice week. Um, and we'll talk about Biotis later, but, but it's the same type of thing. Like, they're so unsure what they want to do, and Donovan Wilson got a lot of reps as well. So it's like make a, make a decision here because whoever's practicing needs to practice 100% of the time. All right, so I'm going to move on to my moment that mattered. And to me, this is one of the players that, that has gotten forgotten in this game, but I think it was a huge play. I think it actually could have changed the outcome of this game to some degree. Uh, you had 4.02 left in the third quarter. Cleveland's up 38-14. to 14. Uh, Cleveland has the ball. It's third and four at the Cleveland 40. Uh, Mayfield throws a pass to Hilliard uh, for two yards, which would have made it fourth and two at the Cleveland 
What would that have been? The Cleveland 42? Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Thomas puts a big hit on him. Uh, and it, he's called for unnecessary roughness. But I actually think the call that got missed there is actually – it should have been an interception in my opinion. I think if you watch that play, he grabs the ball. When they both are on the ground and touching, which would signal the play is over, mm-hmm. he actually had possession of the ball. And, and and I don't think that it was a situation that, that he was that he necessarily had unnecessary roughness because the ball kept him from having helmet to helmet contact. So all that being considered, I, I think the missed call here was it should not have been an unnecessary roughness. It should not have been or it should have been an interception. And right there, if Dallas gets the ball right there, that saves him a bunch of time. Uh, Cleveland actually goes down and gets a field goal there. So Cowboys would have maybe been in a situation where they were tying at 38-38. Maybe then they don't decide to do whatever that was with the kick that I don't really know what you call that. But I think it changes so much about what happened in the latter parts of the games. And I don't think it's being talked about nearly enough from the standpoint of of that was a pivotal moment and a great play uh, by Joe Thomas that basically got negated by what I thought was somewhat of a phantom call. Yeah. I agree with that. And I asked him after the game, and he said it was a bang-bang play. Is what it is. You know, it's unfortunate. And then he was like, it was a terrible call. I was like, okay. Good. Okay, Glad good. we all agree good. on yes. that. I actually said, like, the last thing I said last night before I went to bed was, like, it's funny. And, and here's why I, what I, my answer to your question, Derek, would be people aren't talking about it because – it's hard to get riled up about that injustice when the defense played that poorly. Like, sure. I, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, bad call, should have been a pick. It's one of my least favorite things in football. I really think the game moves so fast that referees just use, like, Indicators. benchmarks to make calls. Yeah. Like, literally, I, I think the ref was like, whoa, that sounded like a hard hit. That's probably a flag. Yeah. And it's such trash. It's garbage. Like, there was no... He didn't use his crown. There was no, like, intent to harm. He didn't, like, spear him. He just made a really great play and wound up with the ball and got penalized for it. It's utter trash. At the same time, you give up 307 rushing yards and 49 points. It's... I just... It's hard for me to get too worked up about it. Well, and also, I I would imagine 75% of those calls that happen like that are getting thrown from the sideline with every person on that sideline saying... Helmet to helmet, legal hit, all that kind of stuff, and 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 then I think that the guy has to throw it. You know, he feels like he has to throw it, but it's like, why do they have helmets on if they don't? They bump heads. I mean, it happens. I mean, football players they 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 run into each other. That's why they wear helmets. And and I don't, I just don't think that that is should be called every single time. Um, it's just not a 15-yard penalty. I mean, that these guys are moving so fast. And then they go and then they replay it and they slow it down. And they're like, oh, my God, look look, look what this guy did when it happens so quick. Yeah, and I think Dave is right on the indicator part. Like, I, I think the referee sees the, the guy's head jerked back and they assume that his that, that Joe Thomas's helmet hit the, the, the receiver's helmet and that's what caused his head to go back. In this instance, the ball was between them. Yeah. So it was actually the ball that probably jarred his head. And there was obviously force coming from Joe Thomas, but it was not a helmet-to-helmet hit. And that's where I look at this and I'm like, I think when you use the indicators, you're going to come up in situations where it's not going to be right. And once again, I think that's where the college team, the, the college yeah. game has it a little bit better. They do. Because they will review those kinds of things and they will be able to reverse them if they feel like it wasn't targeting if, or, or if, whatever. If scoring plays are reviewable, I think, you know, personal foul, 15 yard penalty should be reviewable too. Because yeah. what, what if he didn't grab his face mask? You know, like you think he did, but what if he didn't? <laughs> 
No, I mean, just plays oh, I like that. you were talking about your boy Jalen. No, no, I'm just saying, what if when those things happen, though? I mean, that, that, that changes everything. Dave, so what was your moment that mattered? It's funny because, like, I feel weird saying that it mattered. I mean, it did, but it's, it's after all of this has happened. Like, really, the game obviously got away from him in the second quarter, in my opinion, with the way the defense is playing. But, I mean, you know, Beckham Beckham's play to ice the game was just so – it was such a fitting encapsulation of how terrible this all was. You know, it's 41-38. They're cooking. 342 to play. You got one timeout. You don't even have to be perfect to get the ball back. Like, you can give up a first down and still get the ball back. You could give up a field goal and still give your offense the ball down six with, you know, a minute and some change to play. That's what everybody was thinking, right? And then literally one, one play. One play. End around. Odell Beckham. Alden Smith is the only member of the front seven who properly diagnoses what's going on. I'm not going to hate on Alden Smith for not being able to tackle Odell Beckham in the open field. Like, that's a mismatch. Mm-hmm. But then you get upfield, Odell picks up the first down. Big deal. He's on the sideline. You push him out of bounds. You live to fight another down. It's not over yet. Oops, never mind. The entire back seven overruns the play, <laughs> digs. Uh, Joe Thomas, Joe Thomas takes out, you can go look at it. Joe Thomas takes out the blocker, which probably not great, but at least he's getting somebody out of the way. Like two other guys overrun the play. Trayvon Diggs, I think it is. Somebody runs out of bounds thinking the play is over and then jerks his head back Uh around like, oh crap, wait, the guy with the ball is still going. Uh, you know, Jalen Smith is, is late getting there and, and now Odell's in the end zone on a 50 yard touchdown. And it was just symptomatic of how awful they were all day. And it was just, it was a very fitting way to take hope out of the game. I mean, it was, it was breathtaking. You think about that, Dave, and you think about playing defense in the NFL, you actually have an extra defender. It's called the sideline. And so you should always, yep. as a defender, when a guy's running toward the sideline, you should be using the sideline to your advantage. So you don't overrun the play going out of bounds. You stay inbounds and force him to have to run out of bounds because the sideline is your friend. They all, like three or four guys, completely overrun the play and end up out of bounds, and it was just yeah. baffling to me. And the guy that should have overrun the play is Alden Smith, you know, because Alden Smith, yeah. because he actually tries to make the tackle. If he actually overruns the play, I can promise you, you know, I'm not saying Odell's like Deion Sanders' business decision. But he doesn't want to run the ball between the tackles. So if you force him to cut, because he could have done that, and he would have to cut back to the middle, and then he's probably going to dive and get get out of that. He doesn't want any part of that, which I, would, I don't blame him. But that's unfortunate. I don't blame Alden Smith for that, but if he could have taken a different angle and forced him back inside, then that would have kind of blown the whole play up. But you know the one thing I will say? I, I think in that instance, Alden did what he should have done, which is if you notice – like, he forced Beckham to take a, a, a track that was going backwards. Like, yeah. he went backwards but, to come forward. But Odell can do that. Uh, it, that's my point. <laughs> he did, so, but go the so other way. De- but my point is, this defense, any defense, when you've got a guy who gets the ball on an end around, which is a slow-developing play, you made him go backwards and then come forward. The fact that the, none of them could get in position to then be able to tackle him, that just even more let shows me, you just how bad they were on that play. Let me ask you this, then. If... If it's first and ten at the fifty, do the Browns still run a reverse on first and ten at the twenty-five? Well, that's a good question because that brings up the whole idea of what the Cowboys did there after uh, they got to that forty-one thirty-eight point. And I don't know if you call it an onside kick. I don't know if you call it a squib kick. 
whatever they did gave the Cleveland Browns the ball in the 50. And so that is a fair question. Do you think that if the Cowboys would have kicked it off traditionally and Cleveland's taking the ball at their own 25, if they're a bit more conservative in their play calling, knowing that they got to go 75 yards and they may be thinking, let's take time off the clock, let's, let's do things that are, that are a little bit more conservative. What do you think, Amber? There, I mean, at this point, I'm just listening to you guys, and I'm like, okay, yeah, a lot of things could have gone differently, and maybe one single play could have changed the game, but there, there were so many different things that happened all throughout the game that I don't know if something like that would have made a big difference or at least enough of a difference to get the Cowboys with a win. At this point, I'm kind of over the whole game and I'm just looking okay what do the Cowboys need to do this week moving forward I get that the they're about to play the Giants and they're a lot terrible right now but I, they need to figure out and my biggest question right now is what what is the biggest change that needs to happen and I get and I, I keep seeing that fans keep asking about Earl Thomas and I don't I, I guess people expect that you get Errol Thomas and then the whole defense is just going to magically change and be fixed. I don't know exactly what all needs to happen. Do you guys have an answer as far as just the defense overall? Forget those specific moments. Just defense overall. What do you do to fix it? In the next two weeks, at least. Well, I'm going to hold you on that because Wait. that's a topic that we're going to hit tomorrow. We have a lot more time to oh, dive great. into it and uh, and really diagnose what we think of the things that they can actually change. Uh, Dave, do you have something you were about to say? I was just going to say play bad teams, which they will. They so will play a bad that, teams. That will help for next week. But we do. I, I do think that's a valid question, though, Amber. And I, I think it takes a lot more than the four minutes we got left because I think that's a, that's a much bigger question when you start talking about what can fix this defense because they are historically bad right now. All right, we're going to take our final break really quick. When we come back, I do want to see if we can squeeze in a fan question here. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. 
We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. To the break. Are you coming to the Cowboys game this weekend? If so, make sure you know before you go. You wear a mask, keep distance, unless you're the safeties, and be prepared for cashless <laughs> transactions. Please be aware of all safe stadium policies before arriving at AT&T State. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash safe stadium. Welcome back to the final <laughs> segment of the I mean, not break. everyone needs to keep distance, but I mean, it's really for fans. SWCBC, FW, I'm sorry, <laughs> SWBC Mortgage Studios at the start. We only got about a minute left, so I figured let's try to get a question squeezed in here. Amber, what do you have from the fans? They're happy. <laughs> There's actually, I've seen a couple of these questions, and Derek, you and I were talking about this yesterday, but right. here's a question uh, that... I guess we're trying to understand is why we've seen so many of these defenders play better than this in the past and then right now they're just <laughs> worse than we've yeah. seen before so we know that there is talent there but why a guy like Demarcus Lawrence for example Jalen Smith who hasn't been necessarily great but he's played better why are guys like that just not playing the part this year you know, I think it's a fair question, and I want to hear what Nick and Dave have to say, but I think it's a fair question because when you look at it, like they are playing, like like I said before the break, historically bad. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it makes me at least look and say, there is something going on from a scheme and or just, I don't get this. Like I'm making mental, my mental uh, awareness is not, is not there. There's something going on that goes beyond just how you play with regards to how this defense is playing as a unit. You agree with that? Disagree with that, Dave? I, uh, I'm sorry, Nick, start with you. Oh, I, I, I agree. I think that there's something missing, and I think what was missing is probably the ins- installation period that they had uh, having to do this on, on the run. Now, I, I'm not giving them excuses for no, being historically bad, but a lot of things are going against them, and, and it just it, it's not helping. Number one, the, there are injuries at very key positions and multiple injuries at those positions. Number two, the lack of the installation I think really helped. But three, and most importantly, these players are, aren't aren't as good. I mean, the, like the, they're just not as good. And I guess if you could say four, the Mike Nolan's track record hasn't been that great as a defensive coordinator. And so you add all of those things together, and you're getting and rec- what you get. you're getting record setting defenses, not in the good way. Dave, I agree with everything Nick just said. I do. I particularly in the case of Jalen Smith. Like I, I mean, I still think I think Demarcus is still a pretty good player. He's not he's not justifying the salary right now, but I'm not I'm not watching him like, damn, where where right. is the guy from 2 years ago? That's how I feel watching Jalen Smith to be very honest with you. Uh you know, I can't help but think of the play he made in Houston in 2018. Mm-hmm. I think it was week 5 or week 6. Fourth down, Deshaun, or maybe it was third down, but Deshaun Watson is sprinting for the sticks to try to pick it up, and Jalen just fetched him mm-hmm. and smashed him on the sideline to stop it. Jalen Smith's not making that play in 2020. I don't think he could have made it last year either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, 
it's painfully obvious when you watch, and I don't have an answer. I don't know what happened. I don't know why he doesn't seem to have that burst. Um, I think, you know, his his instincts, they haven't always been bad, but that's always been the part of his game that he needed to develop. And it seemed in 2018 like his athleticism was going to allow him to compensate for that. And we're just not seeing it. And we didn't see it last year, and, and it doesn't seem different this year. And, uh, you know, we can go back to the summer. Nick said every week that, Mike Nolan's got to figure out a way to make Jalen Smith better. You got to figure out a different way to use him or a, a way to employ him that 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 makes him better. And it, it's not happening through the first month of the season. Been worse. And it's it's really <laughs> yeah. weird to watch because I do I think he was a really good linebacker in 2018. Maybe that's because he had Leighton playing next to him at an All Pro level. Maybe it's because he had more burst in that knee. I I don't know, but he's he's not the same player. And I think it's. It's probably the biggest problem facing this defense right now in terms of production, but also the way that you manage your cap and, and the dollars and all of that stuff. It's a problem on a lot of different levels, in my opinion. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, once they get uh, Leighton and once they get Sean Lee back from injury, I would not be shocked at all if those are your two linebackers the majority of the game when you're playing nickel. Um, I think right now the way, the way Jalen Smith is playing right now uh, suggests that that he just is he is a part, he's a much bigger part of the problem than he is a part of the solution and I'll be interested to see what happens when those other guys are back and available and I'm wondering right now I told you this Nick this morning after I went back and watched a lot of the play uh, plays back on on television I'm wondering at this point if you some of those younger linebackers can give you more than what you're getting right now with Jalen that's how poorly I think he's playing and again you might have somebody who's who's a coach that who's more in depth. Uh, has has more knowledge of this than I do who may say, hey, it's not really him all the time that you think it's him. But all I know is what I'm seeing just suggests that he's leaving a lot out there. And I'll I'll challenge you to do this. If you want to know, kind of if you want to be able to look at the difference, watch a Cowboys game, watch that game yesterday, and then go watch a Seahawks game and look at those linebackers. In both games, just watch linebacker play. You will see the difference of what I'm talking about in how he plays linebacker and how those linebackers and those are, those are some of the better linebackers in the league. I'm just saying you will see the delta between but, the two. But you know they they drafted a linebacker in the first round. They drafted a first round linebacker in the second round in Jalen Smith, hoping that he would come back. So they've invested linebackers to be really good. So I don't know if that's really an unfair comparison to say, well, Seattle's got great linebackers. The Cowboys invested enough to be have great linebackers as well, and. Therefore, it hasn't happened. I'm not ready to just jump on this Jalen thing like everyone else is and say he's that bad. I, I don't know yet. I, I'll need to watch. Let's ask Bucky on Wednesday uh, yeah. because he says that he was playing as good as anybody. <laughs> right. I bet he changes his answer. I'm guessing he's not going to say that <laughs> when Wednesday. we get around to having that conversation Wednesday. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. As Amber told you, we're going to talk a little bit about how we solve this thing. Uh, of course, we're not going to be in any of the meetings, but we're going to give you some solutions. Bring some answers, please. Bring some answers. <laughs> we'll Bring be ready, some Amber. answers. Figure we'll it out between today and tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for Nick Even, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!